This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. From the makers of the Dio Hologram Tour comes a more practical use of this technology. Let us present to you the Dennis Hopper Telegram Hologram. Hey, neighbor. Hologram Dennis Hopper makes a great assistant for the office. I read a lot. He's also a hit with the young people. Well, wicked-ass props to you, Mr. OG. And thanks for representing all the homeboys. Is a bartender or waitress upselling you on drinks? And today's special, we have Heineken's for $6. Heineken? Fuck that shit! Pabst Blue Ribbon! Okay. Teachers, have you lost control of your classroom? Class, class, calm down. All right, that's it. That Dennis... I need some help over here. You fucker, fucker! You fucker! Don't you fucking look at me! And Hologram Dennis Hopper will get your party started. Let's fuck! If you would like your very own Dennis Hopper Telegram hologram, then please go to our website, www.yesthisiswhatitscometo.com. Don't say please, fuckhead! The Dennis Hopper Telegram hologram. Baby wants to fuck Okay. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Spych. Let's fuck! <laughs> is that how a party gets started? I think that's how a party clears out. <laughs> no, that's, no, no, keep in mind, that's how a party at your house clears out. Well, it depends who says it, right? You're right, you're okay. right. If Dennis Hopper said it in a hologram version, you don't think people would kind of clear out? Are you kidding me? I'm putting, I'm putting my dick in the Dennis Hopper hologram. <laughs> He's not going to know. It's going to go right through him. If, if you did that, that would clear out the well, party. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Metal, Metal Sucks, Sucks Podcast. I'm the host, or one of the hosts, Brandon Hahn. I'm Pete. Yeah. Petr Spych. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Say your last name. Say it with that foreign tongue of yours. With that foreign tongue. <laughs> Petr Spych. Yeah. Petr. Petr. Yeah. From Montenegro. Okay. So what do we got? Uh, this week, we got. I got to talk to Julie Christmas. It was an absolute gem of a time. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. Time, you guys went like off topic and, t- and t- like talked about a lot of internal stuff. It was good. Yeah, yeah. It, I'll tell you right now, like it's it very w- personable. Well, yeah. Well, I, I hope it comes off that way to listeners. It I, did. I, I, I remember when I got off the phone, I was very like, <sighs> like, oh wow. It was like, it was, I had a lot of stress going oh, on at work, and I'm like, a possi- I possible soulmate. No, I am good. So, anyways, uh, this week, uh, yeah. Uh, the big news, I guess, that we didn't talk about. I don't know if it was last week that was revealed. I think it was this week. Is the Dio hologram? Is that tour. really big news, though? I, dude. See, I, Pete and I, 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 we disagree on this a lot. But I'll, now, why do you not like it? Okay, okay. Now, I there, have there, my there, reasons. You, I have my reasons for not liking it. But you have. I, I have two reasons. A, a. Okay. I, I don't know if it's a tribute to the dead. You know, to do something that I guess they have no control over and just take their likeness and kind of like run with it. I feel in a lot of ways it's disrespectful. But then again, the family's got to okay this. So I don't want to, I'm not family. So I don't want to say it's disrespectful to dead. What I don't like is um, with someone like Dio, all right? Like I know they did a Tupac hologram at uh, like Coachella years yeah. ago, right? When, when you do like a, a hologram for someone like Tupac who is more of a talent with words, with rhyming, with poetry, with kind of things like that, I think it, you can get away with it on one level because it's not a voice. Like Dio, anybody that's seen Dio live can, can attest to this, his voice stopped you in its tracks. So when it's a playback track 
and it's a hologram, you get none of that experience from a guy like Dio. Like I said, with the Tupac thing, it's the image and all that stuff, and then you get the words, you get the rhymes, you know, his voice says it. It's not as, uh, um, maybe, you know, maybe I'm completely off basis and you completely disagree with me. It's not as, um, the experience isn't as tainted. I think it's just, uh, I, I understand what you're saying. I think, I understand that the hologram has a live band and everything, mm-hmm. but to me, it's almost like going to see one of these these DJs where you just push a space bar. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, there's no the one thing when you when you I've never seen him live, but when you see some of these these videos and stuff, and you see Dio live, it's incredible to hear this little dude belt out that kind of sound. It really is incredible. But when you Take away, but why is it incredible? The reason why it's incredible is because there's a chance he might mess up. There's a chance he might be hoarse on a certain night. There's a chance that he might be trying to hit a note and he falls short. And it, but that's what that's why live performances to me are so valuable. But when you take away the chance of a mistake, you know, it's yeah. like, what, why am I watching this? And when you see live like in some of the voices that we've seen live that have just stopped us in our tracks you know people like dio i mean chris cornell his voice completely stopped me i mean say what you want i'm not a huge fan of the band but lizzie hale's voice like oh dude i saw her is nuts she's crazy you stop and you're like all right she she can nail anything so there are certain voices that like dio is one of those like the last time i saw him it was on the heaven and hell tour and i mean i don't know what age he was at but i mean floored me floored me how how precise he was on every every like note every song like he's one of those guys where i'm like i wonder if he's ever had a bad night obviously he has but he just had one of those voices that stopped you and made you pay attention like right away so for a hologram to reenact that and on top of that too it's a hologram that had producers behind it Mm -hmm. sound engineers so they probably not only used like one they probably used several different performances yeah of him sounding a certain way, they probably use several different, and then just put them all together for like one song, you know? So that way it sounds perfect. But going back to our interview last week when we talked with Stephen Wilson, this just takes away the human element more in our lives. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like I mean, we're talking cool, about. Is it cool if you're there and you're like, whoa, fuck, dude, the hologram looks just like, the, it looks just, it's like he's there on stage. Like, yeah, sure. Like if you're, if you're, if you're in awe of the technology behind it, if you're in awe of the science behind it, then yeah, that's, it's kind of cool. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not watching Dio. Mm-mm. I'm not watching Dio. I could get the same experience with a surround sound at home, but watching, watching him on DVD. Exactly. Right. So why not just put him on an IMAX of a live performance? Right. That's exactly how I feel. It's like, why not just put it in there with the real Dio Doing like that's what I mean. It's not the same. Or put it put it on a well, stadium with a, a the, with a live band and maybe the only thing I don't know. Is, dude, though, the, the only difference is, is when he's when he does have the live band behind him. Mm-hmm. That is still going to be cool. I mean, anytime you go see a live band, it's, it's a still, different element. Yeah, it's a sure. different element. Yeah. So you're not going to get that element if you go to an IMAX. Yeah. But at the same time, like you're still not getting what you really want, which is the actual Dio. You're getting you're getting swap meet Dio. You know what I mean? Like you're not getting the real Dio. It would be, and, and this is another thing that I was telling a friend of mine, and uh, they were like, well, it's maybe it's for kids. 
Maybe it's for like children to go see a hologram of Dio. And I'm like, really? No. I don't think so, no, right? Because no. kids would love the hologram, right? Yeah, but kids don't know who Dio is. Like six-year-olds don't know who – Like, or, 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 how old are we talking? I would assume you'd have to be seven, six, seven, yeah, eight. Yeah, dude, they know? don't know what the so. hell is going on. And it's like – and honestly, like if you're bringing your kid to go see Dio hologram at seven, like really? You couldn't get Disney on ice tickets? Like really? You know, like what is the point here? I understand if you want to go take them to go see a live concert, that's fine. But a hologram – Dude, come on. Well, adult that's what I mean. Our adults wouldn't be catering to holograms. But you know what, though? But Children would love that. My thing right? is, do I think, going back to your... Like, like what 30-year-old's going to be like, I got to see a hologram of a human being? That's well, somebody who's obviously... They're banking on these die-hard metalheads, you know, that... I mean, let's face it. We're not... Like we were talking about with singers and stuff, it's like, how many singers do we have left like Dio? Music doesn't, well, music doesn't no, no, allow. No, no. They're out there. They're out there. Yeah, but it doesn't allow them to showcase their talents like Dio. Like, it just doesn't. Like, all these radio hits, they're all three and a half minutes long, you know? And mm. I'm not saying Dio songs are super long, but they were formulated differently, you know? Like, they, it, it, mm. wasn't, it wasn't all about the hook. It was about the actual song. And that's what's going, like, nowadays, it's all about the hook. Get to the hook. Get to the hook. Get to the hook. Yeah, but if someone has a live presence and voice like Dio it cannot be fucked with when you see them live that's what I'm saying like I just brought up Lizzie Hale I'm not a I don't know her songs man I don't know that stuff but like I saw her live and her voice was despite what was going on with the hook you can tell the talent there you can be like dude this this person can sing you know so that's the whole point is like if they have that voice I, and then hopefully, yeah, you're right. The song and all the stuff that all the, I all guess the, what it was the is craft behind it is there too, but the voices will always be there. Will they be in rock music? It seems like lesser and lesser. Maybe? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Cause but, I guess, I guess back in the day when Dio used to write songs, it's just seemed like those songs were written specifically to showcase that talent. The, so going back to Lizzie Hale and stuff, it's like her, her, her talent is being showcased, but mm-hmm. again, it's this, it's 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 in this this song that basically just tried again. They still follow that that formula of get to the hook, get to the hook, get yeah, to I the know. hook. You know, no, I dude, I've heard songs by the band Hailstorm, and they've none of them stuck with me. I'm just saying her live performance stuck. With oh me. no, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. She's I, excellent. She's yeah, amazing. I, so I've 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 been like, all she's right, she's a good guitar player too. Yeah. So I, when I saw the live performance, I was like, whoa. But when I heard the record, I was like, it. it Completed nothing for me. But you yeah. were talking about. But I'm also. I don't think I'm the demographic. You for were that talking band, about dude. disrespecting the dead, though. What were you talking about, I, dude? I think a lot of ways, like even with our Dennis Hopper bit that we just did, right? It's like we're not here to like make fun of Dennis Hopper's awesome performances or anything like that. It's 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 you know in a way it's like if people. First off, if anybody got offended by the Dennis no, Hopper no, bit, no, go fuck yourself. They laughed. Okay, so calm down, you. No, you have to say that in this day and age. You have to say that in this day and age. You have to remind these, you these have to pieces remind of people shit that, that hate comedy. Ooh. Fuck you. You know what I mean? You have to say that to them. Yeah, because that, that yeah. Now everybody's weird in the room. That's I when, don't that's, care. that's when you curse at the heckler on stage. You know when you, when you know when you take it and you like make everybody. First off, it's just you and me in the room. I know. Right now. I know. Okay. I know. I'm uncomfortable because I, I thought the bit was funny. No, the bit was funny, but you know that there's some sack of shit out that there. That said we're disrespectful to Dennis being Hopper? Disres- that's saying, yeah. Now, look, if you didn't find it, if you didn't think the bit was funny, because let's face it, all we did was take some Dennis Hopper clips and put them in weird situations, right? But it was the hook. It was, but the, it was idea, the hook. Yeah, we hook. got to the hook. We got to the hook. <laughs> we got, we to, got the to the hook. hook. You know? But I'm just saying, like, if you didn't find that funny, then fine. I get that. I'm not gonna. T- I'm not gonna say go fuck yourself. If you're like, eh, I get it. I just don't find it funny. But if you're offended by it, then go fuck yourself. Yeah, fuck so. yourself hard with a cactus. All right. So um, in your pee hole. <clears throat> now I made it weird. Okay. 
<laughs> I mean, the cactus in the pee hole never makes it weird, buddy. <laughs> that makes it elegant. All right, we got a couple yeah, more minutes. So, Let's get to anyways, this uh, uh, nails. Yeah, uh, the, ne- the next thing we want to talk about, I don't even know. You asked me a question, I didn't finish it, but we're segueing. Yeah, Who cares? Forget, All right? forget it. So the next thing is uh, in the news this week is Trent Reznor was a little uh, wary of uh, having to explain his lyrics to his children. How old are his kids? Well, right now, I I don't know. I saw a picture. They probably look like five, six, seven. They're they're young. But um, I really personally feel that um, his lyrics are going to really have no, he has nothing to worry about by the the, it's not Cannibal Corpse. The day and age, well, even Cannibal Corpse doesn't matter at this kid. Like twelve and thirteen year olds are going to be exposed to the internet, and the internet will be a million times more vicious than anything oh, that came yeah. out of Trent Reznor's mouth back in '95, yeah. dude. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're right. Tell you something right now. Like, they, I don't think he's got to be concerned. Like, yeah. Hey, know, Tommy, take a knee. Let me tell you what "fuck you like an animal" means. You yeah, know, it's just the, closer <laughs> is the one lyric he's worried about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, I don't think. Let me tell you what "fist fuck" means. You know, it's just. I think with him. In this day and age where most parents have to explain the pornography and stuff like that, or like, you know, oh, there's yeah, a lot dude. a lot more people that have to explain things like that where I'm telling I think you, dude, Trent's I think Trent's safe, man. We're 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 transition as a society, we're transitioning more and more to basically we are gonna hear fuck on broadcast television. I really think we will. We're gonna see titties on broadcast television. We might not see porn. How is Netflix not broadcast television? Honestly, That's most good. most people good do point. watch that. Let's just No, but that. I'm talking about You're talking about CBS. But I Netflix know. isn't broadcast television. It's not, but it's, uh, we're, it's we're, paid for, but I know you're saying right, right. But it's like when we start seeing that, it's only a matter of time. Because if you if it's it again, we've heard this reference. Well, we always we've heard this that. reference a hundred times. It's it's idiocracy. Eventually, the it's the eventually the ads are going to be like, you don't want to be a dumb bitch, right? Well, then try coke, and that's <laughs> you know, that's the that's the that's the commercial. That's going to be the commercial, dude. That I, that's sell to me. So maybe yeah. I'm part of the idiot society. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be a dumb bitch. Let I don't want to be coke. a dumb bitch. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yummy. Let me pour this on a bumper. Get the rust off. It's just like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, but that's that's how that's how these commercials are. It's just all they want now is just blunt, blunt force trauma to the head, and then that's why they and that's how they hit you with the ads, and that's how I don't know. Like when you just see how things are going. Like I was talking about the other day, like the fact that Slayer was on Jimmy Fallon. Okay, beautiful. See, I didn't think it was beautiful. I'm going to tell you, there's 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 a point, there's a plus and a negative to it. The fact is, is like, yeah, was it cool to see Slayer make it on that show? Like the fa- this, the fact that they were so. There's a plus and a negative to this. The fact that they were so uh, ostracized when they first came on, they were like the poster child of, this is going to ruin your children. Yeah. You know, that's what Slayer was. I mean, everybody remembers the them cutting, you know, the, not them, but their fans carving Slayer into their arms and yeah. stuff like that. But then you finally see them on mainstream America, mainstream TV, and then they're on Jimmy Fallon. And to me, it's like, where we are, where we have progressed as a society, like those lyrics that Slayer used to write, they don't even make people bad an eye now. Like, it doesn't matter. So, like, what used to be so taboo, what used to be so taboo back in the day is now just accepted. But we don't, we, that's what we always wanted. We didn't want to be censored, right, people? Well, we didn't society. Wa- we wanted, we wanted to we be We didn't like- want to be censored, but the thing is, though, is the fact is, is there's no danger to Slayer now. There's no danger to metal now. Uh, because where else do you go? Yeah, where else do you go? No. Where is the progression? Dude, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't think there's any danger to Slayer. I mean, dude, I'll tell you right but now. But there was, though. There was, yeah. There was. Uh, that, well, that's the whole thing is like, after so many concerts of bands like 
back in the day of Slayer and suicidal tendencies and all the lawsuits and all the stuff that because fans just rip places apart and all those things or the hate breeds and all that stuff. I think that it just isn't feasible for danger in metal or music these days. Like, and, and I, honestly, man, I amazingly enough, I think the crowds have gone away from that. Well, what has happened was yeah. is Slayer's fans grew up. That's why they were on Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. It's just I like they, they grew up and then they raised their kids on Slayer. And I mean, still, you will see, again, this is the crazy thing. Like, you'll never see a Taylor Swift shirt or a Justin Bieber shirt, mm-hmm. but I'll see 15 Slayer shirts going, if I, if I go to the mall or if I go to, or if I'm walking around on a strip or something it like is, that. It is yeah. considered a vintage shirt now. People don't know what it is. I, and that's a, that, that is, that's a hard thing for me to grasp because I do know when I see a Nirvana shirt on a kid who Nirvana was, but you got to understand these people, like this is a, like back in the day, if we wore a shirt from like the seventies, that was like kind of a Rob Zombie, like uh, movie t-shirt trailer, like, you know, whatever the case may be, like plan nine from outer space. Oh, I didn't know this was a movie. A lot of people said that it's like, and that's now the stuff that we grew up on is considered those vintage t-shirts and they don't know what it is. And it's a weird, it's a weird concept, but I think that happens with every generation. I really do. I've seen people wear like, I remember kids at our school wearing punk rock shirts and not even knowing who they were. Right. Who's the dead boys? I don't know. Anyways, moving on guys. Hey, uh, uh, get it out. Sorry. Get it out. Julie Christmas and me, we had a talk uh, here. We're, we're talking about the last record they did, Cult of Luna and her, but we're mainly talking about the, uh, the tour, the five dates that they're going to do here in North America to start in about three weeks and all that stuff. So I can't wait to get to this interview. Go ahead and jump on in. Julie Christmas. It's Peter here with Metal Sucks. I have Julie Christmas on the phone here. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. Awesome. So we got a, the North American tour for Mariner. It was announced last February. And I didn't expect it, so I was very pleasantly surprised, to say the least. How did this tour come to fruition? Um, I there there was a when we did the tour in we did the tour in Europe, and it went well. And you know, there's we're so far apart that we had to try to figure out um, we had to try to figure out the I guess the the smartest way to see the most people with this album and that was it we um we did some shows in europe and then now we're coming to um north america and that's that's it we just wanted to do both sides of the pond i guess and was turin uh, originally part of the plan when you guys were creating the record or was it just because it was such a the demand was really there it was such a special record it made a ton of best of lists last year and everything it was th- there was never a plan to do anything. We um, the we did one song together, liked it, and then it grew from there. So there was never any plan that we were gonna do anything. We didn't have any idea what was gonna happen, and so it's sort of figure it out as you go kind of thing. But but yes, definitely the reason we are doing the shows is because um, because people are coming out and responding so so much to the record that uh, we wanted to to uh i guess play it for people live yeah so i'm out here in vegas so you guys are on the psycho vegas festival on sunday um was that did they approach you guys prior to you guys actually doing the tour or was it something that you guys got added on to later i don't actually know that there is somebody else there's a master there's a there's a tour master and he knows all of the answers to those questions but um, I don't, I would imagine that it was planned out because 
you can't like any any time you see something like that a a, a an event like that that's three days the planning starts a year ahead or whatever six months ahead at least to to get all those people in the same place at the same time for sure so i would imagine i would imagine that we were um uh in the in we were in the first round of talks or whatever yeah and and that's one thing is like because i was i was very surprised this this festival is its second year out here in vegas and we don't usually get these amazing festivals like this is an amazing festival in europe and all kinds of stuff so the fact that we landed in vegas is very lucky so um because yeah and the lineup is it's insane the lineup is unbelievable i'm coming just to to watch on the friday night there's a few bands i i can't there's a couple of bands playing i've never seen and if they if this happens and i don't get to see them i'm gonna i'll be i'll regret it which band uh, is it Jonestown Massacre or which band are you looking forward to on Friday? I am. Uh, well, Friday, I'm just going to drop in. Um, I don't actually know the, the day lineup, but there's so many bands mm-hmm. <laughs> playing that I, it's like it's it's really hard to pick. Um, I all of it. All of the days sound amazing, but I have some old favorites that I'd like to check in on. I know Caius is playing. Mm. And um, in high school, I listened to Caius. I'm going to see what they're about. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can pick a day. There's five different bands each day that I would that I'd love to see. Yeah, they put it together. That I can't believe are playing. Yeah. (laughs) They put it together spectacularly, for sure. Now, uh, speaking of um, the last record you you, you did with Colta Luna as a collaboration, you said it just kind of, you guys did one song and it just kind of came to fruition the entire record. Is there a possibility that you guys, because of the success and the kind of demand that you guys would continue doing records maybe together? I don't know. I mean, I think I, I would do it. I love those guys. They, I learned a lot um, from working with them. But everybody, I mean, as you know, everybody has another life. Yeah. And you have to, you know, just like with anything creative at some point you have to decide, are you going to keep giving things up for, for making music? But so I I think everybody in this band, one of the reasons it worked out was because we all have another part of our life. That's really significant and requires attention. And, um, and so that's definitely part of it. Everybody's got a family and a job and, we have to think about those things and life, life goes on, you know, uh, when do you, the record ends. Do you mind me asking uh, currently what the, the main gig is for you or no? For me? Yeah. I, um, I own, I own a, a few businesses where I do hands-on science with kids. Oh, nice. I have four of them and two of them are with really little kids, two and three years old. We do like, we do hands-on science with them in Korea, you know, like, um, uh, every day they come in and we're doing experiments with them where they do their own work and they, they're actually capable of a lot. And then the older kids are, they're five through 11. And then this year I have one and I'm going to start doing this in public school oh, in New York city. That's fantastic. Now, do you notice that the, maybe from the internet age that the attention span of kids like five to 11 is that affected um, when you're trying to teach them anything or are they okay? Is, are the iPads not hurting them? Like I think or something. 
You know what? I don't notice because we do, you know, you do. I don't notice because, in, you know, when you're doing science with kids, there are experiments that require long term focus, um, cultivating butterflies from eggs and mm. things like that. But there's also, you know, let's drop 80, <laughs> let's drop 80 Alka-Seltzer into this <laughs> this uh, tube of dry ice and see what happens kind of explosive experiment. So both things are required. And I think that, you know, I, from what I, I mean, granted the kid that wants to do science on their time off is not the normal kid, but there are a lot of them and they seem to like both things. Can you tell me what you know, does seem- happen when you drop the alka No, I'm not telling you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, got, I got to try that out myself. <laughs> can I get hurt? <laughs> Anything can hurt you if you do it wrong. <laughs> uh, that, that's why I love the internet. I'll Google. <laughs> I'll see like the horror stories on YouTube and I'll be like, no, I'm not touching that. So yeah. that is... Uh, that yeah, that's that's fantastic though. That's rewarding as well. Like I, we were talking before we got on. Like I have a rewarding job where I see homeowners actually get their first homes, and that's a very rewarding cool. thing too. As well, that you see, kind of, um, you know, the process of of, of a, a child's mind learning. You know, yeah, so, they remember everything. I mean, yeah, if you do it right, you can like these like kids are. Um, you know, the the kids we work with. They're, they're, they are a mixed bag, but, um, but you, they can, they can remember so much of what they're doing if you do it properly with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. the right. You can't teachers talk too much, you know, you gotta like, they have to be able to put their hands on things and work through it and see what happens. And that's what we do. We limit adult talking to 10 minutes or less. That's actually exactly how I learn anything too, though. I think that's, I think that's been lost. That's funny that you said that is that like, you got to actually go out there and do it in order to learn anything. And it's like when it's in a a book, like to actually like sponge that stuff is almost impossible, but any, you know, failure, failed experiment you learn from so well. So that's, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. It's 90. I mean, it's, there have been studies done. It's like the retention rate difference is like greater than it's it's supposed to be like 15 percent if you go to a lecture and 95 percent if you actually are participating in an activity oh i totally and, believe that 100 percent. yeah 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 that's that's i mean the hardest stuff i've ever done i've had to just do it you know the hardest and most interesting stuff that i've ever had to learn you have to do you have to do it for yourself for sure for sure yeah so that's what we do and I wonder, obviously, public schools can't, um, I guess, adhere to that because of, I don't know, like, I don't want to sound like out of my element, but maybe there's budgets, there's too many kids, there's one teacher, so they have to kind of do this generalized kind of uh, a curriculum, I guess. But if that study, like you just said, 95% shows that they take that in, do you think that maybe that that should be something considered to maybe have more yeah. staff and, and, and have kids do more things hand on, hands on so we don't get dumbed down or get lost in the curriculums? I think, I mean, I don't know. You know, I think it depends. It, a good teacher can do, can do so much. Anybody who has had 50 horrible teachers, which is most of us, mm. anybody who has had that many terrible teachers can remember one teacher that opened their eyes to something. And, um, you know, I've had, I, I am like, 
a mental midget when it comes to history. And I've really tried to remember it. Like I have created timelines that go across my floor, <laughs> like where I physically place on the timeline, different um, historical events that I can't seem to recall, but I remember everything this one history professor told me because he was great at it and he was really passionate about it. So a great teacher can do, can do a lot, but um, even with a, even with a talking subject like that, but, um, but I, I do think, I do think, yes, you have to, in schools there, they have, there are so many obstacles and in schools in general, there's a, for all of the talk that goes on about STEM, I, I mean, I don't know if you have a kid or whatever, but there's a lot of talk about science, technology, engineering, and mathematics in schools, but there, but it doesn't, it seems to be a term that's used, but not really followed through. It's like a hot button issue. Everybody wants STEM, everybody's talking about STEM, but really in most public schools in New York City, there's children who don't get science and and it's just it's stupid because science is a subject that encapsulates every other subject mm. you know there's every every other thing that you could that you need to know to be a uh, informed well-educated person you can do through science literacy math you know anything a hundred percent. Yeah. It, it is, it is the most, uh, for me, I remember it was the most challenging, but also the most, uh, rewarding, I guess when I figured it out. I mean, I remember like the nightmares I had with like chemistry, but then when I actually got it, it was like, I, yeah. I, I feel like I retained that much more than say calculus, which I forgot the second I was done with the class, you know, stuff like that. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. You have to use it. I mean, you have to, with math, you, you kind of have to use it or lose it, but, but the, but I remember the same thing. I was a bio major and I remember the first year of bio is the hardest. It's, they tell you right up front. They say, this is, you know, this is a one-on-one class. 50% of you won't be here next, <laughs> next session or whatever. And, um, uh, I remember like I got the bio one-on-one class was the same. It was, it was a pre-med requirement. And so I got that dictionary, the pre-med dictionary. And I remember like sitting there with a book and I'm a studier, but um, I remember sitting there and basically translating every other word of this textbook. And I remember sitting there at the end of this night that I'd spent like eight hours looking at this book about um, thinking about or learning about cell signaling. And at the end, I had the sensation that my brain had actually grown in my, in my skull, <laughs> which is impossible. But it is true. You, you know, once the neurons start firing, you, you have all sorts of things happening chemically in your body, which is, you know, I don't know, the light bulb. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say. I go, it sounds like the light bulb there. Yes, I, I do believe like, you know, there's a lot of feelings that you can't express scientifically that you feel, you know, obviously. But uh, that learning thing, when you actually just are all on cylinders and everything makes sense, and then you can see ahead of the game where you were completely in the dark like a week before, I think that's like one yeah. of the most, one of the greatest feelings in life, you know? Yes, like, I agree. So when I was in college, this is the one thing that I miss. I don't miss like, you know, I had to work two jobs to get through it, all these things. But I miss that my brain was constantly being 
tested, whether it's philosophy or, you know, learning plays or, or like you said, science, I just remember like, it's so hard as you get older, you know, unless you, you know, you choose a field where your, your brain's getting tested to not just kind of have a routine mind with what you're doing, you know, with work and things like that. Yeah. So, um, that's one thing. And it's hard to do. It's hard to do. There's so much happening all the time. I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to be able to read more, but man, I don't, I mean, I haven't read. I mean, I guess I do read all the time. I read the, I read the instructions on how not to blow something up in front of a five year old. (laughs) You read the important (laughs) stuff. That's good. I read the warning labels for sure, but. I've been working on Warren Peach <laughs> since 2003, and I'm at like page like 400, and I, I'm proud of myself. And I'm like, wait, that's 15 years, dude. <laughs> you know, like so. But I'm Blood gonna... Meridian is. Do you know this book, Blood Meridian? It's one of my favorite. I would say it's my favorite book, Blood Meridian of all time. And I read the entire thing except for the last chapter because I didn't McCarthy? want it to be over. Is that Cormac? Yeah, yeah I, no, I have that book. I haven't read it yet, though. But you, you... don't read it all except for the last chapter. Oh man, you've got some discipline. <laughs> well, it was like I was like, this can't be the end. It can't be over. I can't. I I couldn't do it. So it's sitting right next to my bed, and you know, I don't know. Before I kick, I'll I'll read the last chapter. It is funny because that was the one recommended to me. I bought that first, and then I went out and read The Road. I went out and read, you know, No Country for Old Men. I went and I did all the other ones, and that one. All the movies. Yeah, pretty much. I yeah, I think it was before. Yeah, no, no country was out. I don't think the road was out yet, um, as far as the movie goes. But uh, yeah, so I read them all, and that one's still sitting there. And I'm like, hmm, because for some, there's something about me. Whenever, even when I go to like to the record store, I'll buy like four records, let's just say, and the one I really want to listen to is last. I'll always listen to the new stuff first because, I, like, just in case I know that's good. That's how I feel about most art. Like, I want to be able to sit by, like, I don't know, a tree and read this one. Does that make sense? Like the setting has to be right. You know? Yeah. Cause you don't but want to miss I it. Think, but, but you're gonna. but doesn't that mean that you're never going to pick it up? Yes. I've, I've experienced that too. So now you're I, making I, too much. You're making too much out of the day. You're right. I am going to pick it up <laughs> tomorrow. Just go on it. Don't, don't get me on war and peace. That's going to eventually, I promise I'll get through war and peace, but blood Meridian, war and I, peace. I'm, I'm going to pick it up tomorrow and I, I got to finish it. That's crazy. So you never read the last chapter. No, but prepare yourself. The violence is like glorious. I oh, would use. <laughs> that's now I'm gonna read it today. <laughs> right? Yeah, because glorious a violence. That's that's what I like. So and, and it's ne- I've never I've never um yeah the writing the writing Cormac McCarthy knows what to do. Did you sure. see the the screenplay he wrote? Did you see the Counselor that film that he did? No, it was an original get- screenplay from him. No, it was, the the violence was glorious as well. Uh, I believe Ridley Scott directed it. Uh, I hope I'm not wrong, but I do remember um, loving the pacing and loving the words, but, and like a great, great cast, but for some reason it just, I forgot about it like two weeks later. So it wasn't great, but I definitely, if you're into McCarthy, I definitely recommend you visiting it. I do feel like he was writing a screenplay that was very reminiscent of No Country for Old Men, you know? So. That's a great book. I, I I don't love every single thing. I I didn't really like the road. I couldn't get into it. But um, I can't get into everything he does. Yeah. The, but the, the earlier works are like, I, I you know he has like in his in the arc of his of his uh, writing, 
Um, you know, he had he hit his stride at one point and was inimitable, you know, just like pretty much every other artist. They have like the their sweet spot and Blood Meridian was in that that time. In, in and the then the road. Yeah. yeah, right. And then uh yeah, the road, I don't know, it later came later and it just didn't grab me. The one thing about No Country for Old Men, because for me, like I like to listen to the audiobooks after I read the books a few times. Like the guy he chose to to read the audiobook in No Country, it's it's no good. It's it, it's not good. N- no, he's so dry, and I'm like, man, I I need someone like like you know, Shigar is killing someone right now, and it just sounds like the guy crossed the street. I'm like, no, yeah. he just killed him with like a cow prong. Sorry to interrupt this chat with Julie. Uh, I want to tell you guys about Warby Parker, a new concept in eyewear. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses and try them on for five days. There is no obligation to buy. Ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Head to warbyparker.com backslash metal sucks to order your free home try-ons today. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coating. For every pair you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. After you head to warbyparker.com backslash metal sucks and place your home try-on order, make sure to download the Warby Parker app from the iTunes app store. They built this awesome home try-on companion feature, which allows you to quickly take photos wearing all the frames, stitch it into a video, and share it with friends and family to help you pick a winner. Brandon got to try these on, and he is a huge fan of Warby Parker, guys. So uh, go over there, check them out, warbyparker.com backslash metal sucks. And now back to the interview with Julie. But, uh, okay, back to, uh, let's. I'll ask you some stuff about just music in general, I guess, right now. So... We, we see the, that you're kind of in a collaborative state, you know, so um, Spy, Spilocopa, you, you put out you put out a couple songs with them on the Parallels record. Um, I didn't I didn't get the Danger one. So I don't know if you did anything on that record. Did you do anything with them on there? No, the stuff that I did with uh, with them was is like more than five years ago. So oh. I don't that's really it's it's uh, it was a long time ago. So I don't know. I mean, music comes out. It's like, you know, if you're if you're if you're listening to music um, or looking at a film or anything or like we just said, when it comes to Psycho Fest, these things take time. So you're not always hearing something that's new, even if it just came out. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, because I think it, I think I got it like in 2015, but it was it was a long time ago. You guys did those. Yeah, it was a time. it was a really good record. I mean, the one I got parallel. So um, great, you know. But Mariners really, I think, like if say I, I don't know the continuation of music. If you're going to keep doing a lot of it, but if Mariner is the last thing you do, would you be like, hey, that's that's a high point? Um, yes, yeah. but I think it has to do a little bit with working with Cult of Luna. It's a they're they're. A, an interesting group of guys. And so the, like the music came out the way it did, but um, in terms of like uh, personalities, they, I I really um, clicked with them immediately, which is, which is unusual because I never met them when we started, (laughs) you know, it could have, it could have really 
gone a different way and it just didn't you know it it just they just turned out to be cool guys bunch of cool guys and then and um funny smart they they're um they're very uh interesting i i i when you talk about them it's really hard to talk about personalities because there's like eight of them <laughs> <laughs> um but i but in but yeah, it could have it could have gone a different way. And I would say that if I ended here, um, I would say, yes, it's a high point. But because of what I learned, not because of what I contributed. I was like eight months pregnant when I was recording that entire thing. So I so I was like uh, a little bit of a mess. But it seems like it all worked out. Yeah, for sure. Now, so the first time you met him, um, was that prior to the tour in Europe or did you guys actually have a meeting prior? No, we. Um, we had a Skype call and then I went over to practice for the tour for one weekend. That was the first time I met them and that was it. Nice. Then we toured. There's no practice that happens with this band. When, when you see it, you're seeing it, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, uh, it's a strange way to go about, about these things. But, um, but like the third show on tour, um, would have been like, much less than any normal band practices to do anything. <laughs> we didn't bands get together, they practice and they work really hard. And I think everybody knows in this, everybody knows in this project what to do. You know, you, you don't, no one's phoning it in. Everybody goes and takes care of what they need to on their end to be right when you meet. Um, but there's no, there's, we haven't, we don't practice. There isn't practice there's you go on the stage and then you do the show that's and and play it and when you're playing it's like you know every time we're <laughs> playing is is still less than 15 times we've ever played together and that's most bands are you know they do that in their went right before they do that before they pick the name of the band you know it's like yeah so it's not that's exciting so though that that yeah. kind of uh i guess uh freshness you know, I mean, it's got to make everybody involved like, all right, this is awesome. This is something. And also for the fans, it's something really special, you know, like if I see yeah, no safety net. Yeah. If I see <laughs> anything at Psycho Vegas this year, I just got to see you guys play Cygnus and that's it. I'm like, if that's the only thing I see, it's worth the price of admission, you know. So thank you. Um, thank you. But oh, yeah, that song alone is it's the goosebump stuff. So like on huh. record. So like live. I can't wait. So uh, speaking yeah. of music so uh made out of the babies 10 years ago almost the ruiner came out that was uh really like a, a game-changing record for i think a lot of things you know especially looking back on it now i just i mean i went back and i revisited all trophy coward ruiner huh. the last week so i've just been kind of you know sorry I'm, about that I'm, oh really <laughs> that's what i was gonna ask no, I was, oh, was, <laughs> so um that was a very and that's the thing about all the output that you put out whether it's you know made out of babies where battle the mice record your solo project you know this one with colt luna there there is a sense of original like it can't be recreated and that's such a like to me it's such a compliment to listen to to be like no this is julie christmas with whatever band is behind and so when you look back though on those records you have obviously different feelings different emotions you created them um are yeah. you at peace with all of those or is there any of them that you're like ah oh, man i wish i tried this different or tried that or anything 
Um, I, I mean, I can't stand the sound of my own voice. Um, but I, but when I remember, I, I think, thank you for saying that, first of all, but I think that when you're listening to a record that I did, it's almost the same as me listening to a record I did. I remember if you're, if you're noticing that it sounds like something that, um, where there's like a, a real feeling behind it or something is happening that's doesn't happen often. I also remember, like I remember recording these records or playing them live and it is like getting hit by a sledgehammer. It's, 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 um, you know, like I shake and, and, uh, you know, somebody would, you know, if I, if I did it normally on the street, somebody would pass me some medication. But I think if, when, when you're listening to these records and you hear that I go through something when, when these records are being made and it's, there's no, um, it's a hundred percent real. It's not, it's not a, a copied sound or, or anything like that. So when you hear me screaming, I, I really mean it. And I'm thinking about something that you don't want to know about. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff there's definitely no doubt that it's genuine that that's exactly what i meant like when you listen to you're like there's something there so which um which record if say there's a new listener which record would you recommend as a starting point for them uh, at at your entire career a starting point yeah if there's a new say there's a new listener to the podcast i never heard made out of babies i never heard you know, um, Mariner, let's just say, which record would you say, Hey, here's a starting point where I think that they can definitely, uh, see, I guess the aspects of what I'm trying to say. Jeez. I don't know. Um, I would say maybe, uh, I would say maybe the solo record because it's, it's, um, I, that's a good starting point because I think then maybe if you listen carefully, if you're, listening at all and you listen carefully to it you can hear more than just one part of me that might surface in made out of babies or cult of luna or anything like that you'd be able to hear a little bit of things that have to do with like love and hopefulness and um made out of babies those things don't really come out it's more because it's a mix of you and other people and i think that the solo record although i had great people working on that record and I would never have been able to do it by myself or recreate it. It was, uh, it was, it was more of a, a full picture of, of, um, of my day and then, and then made out of babies is like an hour or something like that. Gotcha. So, well, I want to thank you so much for calling in. Let me promote a couple things, guys. You got to catch them. Colta Luna, Julie Christmas, they are on tour. They will be doing Mariner in its entirety, correct? Yes. Yeah, in its entirety, there's only going to be five days, a, a couple in, in North America, in Canada, but you got Vegas, you got New York, you got the, the major things, but it's from 820 to 825. You don't want to miss this. There's no way I'm going to miss this. Well, like I said, when I heard about it February and the fact that you guys were coming to Vegas, that was just icing on the cake, but if it was anywhere near me, I would have drove without hesitation, <laughs> you know? Thank you. So yes, that, I, I, I see people writing that they're driving eight hours. I can't imagine people doing that. And I, I'm 
I'm so grateful and we're, I'm really gonna, we're really gonna tear it up. So I hope everybody comes out. It is an event. This isn't, you know, like when, when people on tour a lot, like you'll see how much you're missed. That's for sure. You guys, we haven't seen you in forever. And it's going to be, like I said, it's one of those things where I doubt you'll see a lot of cell phones. We're all going to pay attention and it's just going to be kind of in the moment. So, um, don't miss this tour guys. 820 to 825. Check it out. Go to metalsex.net. Just type in Colta Luna, Julie Christmas, get all the dates you need there. Otherwise, um, Go back, check out the Made Out of Babies uh, catalog, check out the whole Julie Christmas catalog, the solo record we just talked about, Battle of Mice. But Mariner is, you know, it was released last year. It's on a lot of best, best of lists for a reason. And go get Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy and don't read the last chapter. <laughs> and we're all just going to sit here. And, and, and guys, glorious violence, that's all I got. Glorious so. violence, glorious, glorious. So I want to thank you, Julie, so much for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Thanks for talking to me.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, dude. So the songs we played, we did play uh, off of Mariner, the, the the closing track, Cygnus. So that's the Cult of Luna and Julie Christmas track. And then we played, uh, as she mentioned in the interview, uh, the record that she would recommend you guys to jump in if you are newer listeners is her solo album. It was called The Bad Wife. And that song was called July 31st. It just so happens this show is airing on July 31st. Hey, Look at that coincidence. Uh, Boom. Way. So, uh, yeah, and that is off her solo record. Um, so, yeah, dude. Fun talk. Everything was good. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, until next week, our friends, we, this is episode 199. So next week we'll have a special episode for you guys for sure. Make sure you tune in. But until then, uh, this is the Metal Sucks Podcast. We will talk to you guys next week. See you guys next week. Let's fuck. The Metal Sucks <laughs> Podcast is signing off. Noise Creators is a podcast that talks to the top producers, musicians, and music business people about how they make great music and enable musicians' careers to grow. Past guests include the people behind Thrice, Intolt Over It, Periphery, Side One Dummy, and producers like Blake Harnage, Alan Douches, and Machine. And it's hosted by Jesse Cannon and record producer and engineer who's worked with The Cure, The Misfits, Animal Collective, and Man Overboard, as well as authoring Get More Fans and current best-selling songwriting book processing creativity noise creators podcast available at jabberjawmedia.com this is the jabberjaw podcast network